Damn it, Nick. I love being on here with you guys, Nick and Joe. I really appreciate it. Literally too long didn't read. TLDR, you guys are awesome. Doc is back, baby. Ooh. I'm running off zero sleep. Very little sleep, I should say. But we're back, baby. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of all ages, Geeks Worldwide Radio and the Dork Shared Gooniverse proudly present to you the greatest podcasting team in the world. He's a fry guy, Nick Fryer. I'm the backcracker, Dr. Joe. Together we are TLDR Comic Book Club, baby! Nicholas, how you doing? I am... Uh- I'm doing great, Joe, because every time you do that and you're like, ah, you know, I got, I'm not feeling great or like tired in this case, somehow you're like, your body just gets possessed once you go and do the intro. And it's absolutely outstanding. And if that's not enough reason to subscribe to one of our audio channels, I don't know what is. Um, eh, you know what? Maybe you know, the fact that we go and have you know amazing creators on our show, the best in the, that the business has to offer. Maybe because we talk about a lot of kick-ass books on the show, which we're going to do today because we do have a mainline episode planned for you. But if you're catching us on Doc's Twitch stream, on our YouTube channel, TLDR Comic Book Club over there as well, or just on Twitter, you know, scrolling around and seeing us there, go find us on one of our audio channels because maybe it's a little bit easier for you to listen there i know i'm having to make a commute so i listen to my podcast there um when i'm making my one and a half hour commute into the city now from from new hampshire which i love um or you know if you want to hear our interviews that's the only place you're going to hear it is on any one of our audio channels it's apple spotify stitcher geeks worldwide radio soundcloud all the the major platforms you're going to find us there uh make sure you subscribe to the show and then leave a five-star review if joe sees anything fewer than a five-star review he's going to figure out who the hell you are and he's going to come to your house and it's just it's not going to go over well um because it's what he's at least told me off here but i am ready to go joe today and do a mainline episode mix things up because uh, we were talking about uh not this month, but the following month, and it looks like we're not. We we, we got to get the mainline episodes in while we can right now. Yeah, it's been so long since we've done a mainline episode that my background. <laughs> I, I'm so used to just doing solicits mm. and shit that my main my mainline background isn't um, about the book that I'm talking about today. It is about just the kick ass cover I found. Mm. I've now, for those watching, have changed it so it is fitting. Nice. Uh, it looks like you have done the same because you've got, you know, just a generic background as well. Well, I have your image that you t- I like to, when you tweet out the, the books that we're talking about. I like to use that background now because it's a lot easier for me. It's one less thing that I have to go and put together. Lazy. But yeah, the yes, but the I have, I have TLDR logo and then I, I have yours, unfortunately, because you always put your book on the top because you're that kind of guy always putting yourself first. But yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, because, you know. A, B, C, D, E, F, Doc becomes, comes before F. <laughs> right, because Doc is your first name, of course. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> right, of course. Um, but yes, we, yeah, because, you know, who knows? Like, we, we may, you never know when the Woodward and Bernstein boys are going to be, you know, going to have something cooking for you guys. Yeah, I know this. fucking papers popped. I know that the people call, you know, uh, Mac and Goo the, the press pass boys because they get that early movie access. But, I mean... I feel like, uh, you know, we're not press pass boys because we're the sleuths. We're the one that are digging around and getting all the good stuff. And the, the, yeah, we, get our, we get our fair share of press passes. You this know, true. we do, too. We do. You know, we get we get, yeah. I mean, we got a ton of we, we mean, we, we are. We did get a ton of press access for our reviews and stuff like that. And I actually did write mm-hmm. a review this week. that I'll be t- And I'll be talking about that book a little bit later on in the show when we get to what's new. But first, we got to get to catching up, which actually very rare occasion. You don't have anything to offer today, do you? 
No, because I was uh, <laughs> I was not as debaucherous as some this past weekend, but we were really? in Myrtle Beach. No, 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 no. We're not naming names. That's mm. uh, what, what stays in Myrtle. What happens in Myrtle Beach stays in Myrtle Beach. But Don't want to have- get you in trouble again today. Good Lord. <laughs> Doc was catching strays in the DSG chat, chat today. My word. Ooh. But we, we had a good time. There was there was a fair number of the DSG boys in Myrtle Beach to celebrate our uh, our boy Big Breath. Uh, getting married. It was his bachelor party weekend. We, you know, shout out to Brett. We had a good time. It was a fun time. I will say this: ten guys. It's it can be hard to corral right that that many people, but I gotta say, uh, no fights broke out. Only one person vomited, and that was the first night. Only uh, one. Only <laughs> one. Insane. Uh, the house was in good shape when we left. We got an email from the owner. Uh saying how pleased they were about the condition of the house so no property was destroyed um to me that is a, a wildly successful weekend so that's um, a very successful weekend that, yeah because well, you, you, the- had, you, had, you had dead mother papa doc uh yeah. you know making sure everyone stayed in line but mm-hmm. uh, we, we we had a good time so i didn't really get a chance to do any reading i did some uh i was able to do some prep for something that we've got cooking coming up later and yep. I was able to, you know, to to do reading for uh, today's show, um, which was great. And uh, so I, I'm excited, Nicholas, because we failed to mention this is a very, very special episode of TLDR. We the mainline issues have, you know, come, you know, few and far between lately. Yes. And we've got we've been cooking up something special for the entire month of December, which won't see a mainline issue, I don't think. Uh, but today's issue, folks. Issue 69. Nice. Yes, and it's nice. only and of course I'm talking about poison ivy today. Very, nice. very good time. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, but nice. Uh, you, you bring up the um you know, leaving the place in good shape. I'll tell you what I uh when I was the best man for my, my brother's uh bachelor party, we we also rented a place and uh by and large everything went well, but there was a whole thing with like uh the firewood situation. We ended up owing like two hundred dollars worth of firewood by the end of oh, the weekend. Jesus. So yeah, the, the only the only thing I'd say is that they they should, in the picture of the place is a pool and what looks like a hot tub, but it was not not heated. It was a cold tub, right? So oh. even though it was beautiful weather, uh, you, you know, it would have been nice to fire up the hot tub, get in there, you know, and sure. uh, you know, rip rip some crown and cokes. Uh, but you know, we we you know, most of the guys just kind of put their feet in there, you know, just to kind of keep the tootsies cool but uh we <laughs> digress that's a, that's a much better complaint than what i walked out of because i it was it was they had firewood for indoors and firewood for outdoors and we used like indoor firewood for the outdoors and it was just like we, we just blew through all of it listen to how fucking bananas that statement is indoor firewood for outdoors like go fuck yourselves also couldn't wear <laughs> shoes in in the in the in the um airbnb as well so that was you know i stayed on top oh, of that i knew that one also i brought my fucking... out back i didn't tell you that the TV where the fuck did, where the fuck did you guys have this bachelor party have you ever seen uh midsommar no right i there. haven't oh yeah, it's, it's fucked up dude you gotta watch Jesus that. You gotta Christ. watch that. But uh, no, I brought my I brought my Ugg slippers, so you know I wouldn't be walking around in filth and what. You own Ugg Who knows? Oh, I got I got many pair of Ugg slippies, my friend. You know, uh-huh. gotta, gotta treat your gotta treat your feet. You know, gotta treat your feet right. You know, 
I'm like walking on Crocs. Megan won't let me wear Crocs. I wouldn't wear Crocs. Like you couldn't pay me to wear Crocs. She she said, "If you don't give up on life, you're not allowed to wear Crocs." (laughs) Oh, that's that that sounds about right. I never understood that, but (laughs) I did get a chance to catch up on a few things. Hulk issue ten, Rhodey issue two, a book that I'm going to be talking about on the show. That's from Dark Horse. A little bit later on, Uh, Deadpool issue one, solid first issue. Um, Punisher issue seven. Joe talked about that last week. Been a kick ass. Oh. Wasn't that good? Yes, it was very, very well done. But of all the books that I caught up on, Canary was definitely the one that I was most excited about. I am reading Book of Evil 2. I only got to read a few of the pages during my commute today. I had to finish off Canary. And uh, Book of Evil is – Scott had told us it's going to be a little bit different than his normal work. So it it absolutely is. I'm – you know, hopefully I can talk about that on the show at some point down the line. But Canary, uh, first three issues have been absolutely outstanding. Some crazy developments in this third issue. Cannot wait. This is, you said it before, this is one that you were upset that you were going to have to wait on. And uh, it just over and over, like, it could not be more right. This is an awesome book, but it'll be, you'll, you once you, once you get your chance to sink your teeth into it, Joe, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be happy. You don't have to wait month to month for it. Nice. Nice. All right. Nice. <clears throat> Let's get to what the comics that are actually coming out this week, though, not the back issues. So uh, why don't you start us off with what we got for Marvel? All right, Marvel. Here we go. Title, you know, fucking wow. I, Title I, vomit. I, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. That's what I to say. Uh, yeah, that's why we. That's why we work. You know, we Ooh. finish each other's sandwiches. We finish each other's sentences. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Amazing Spider-Man number thirteen, Moon Knight number seventeen, Venom number thirteen, The Avengers number sixty-two. Wolverine 27, written by friend of the show, uh, Benjamin Percy. Uh, Ghost Rider number eight, written by friend of the show, Benjamin Percy. Damn sure. Uh, yes, kiddo. Okay. Oh. Enjoy. I will be up in a little bit. Okay, Where's my my little pony review, Swaggins? Love you, kiddo. <laughs> my little pony review. What the hell? We're going to have to bring Mac on for it. We do. We do. Her and Mac will host TLDR. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man number two. I bet you Mac would actually consider doing that for us. If we ask him, yeah, yeah, ten, ten, five minutes, you guys do the open. You and Swaggins. <laughs> uh, Fantastic Four number one. Marauders number eight. Legion of X number seven. Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number six. Axe Judgment Day Omega number one. Star Wars The High Republic number two. X-Men Legends number four, a book I wanted to get to but didn't have a chance mm. to this week, Sabretooth and the Exiles number one. Mm-hmm. Then we have Damage Control number four, and then Black Panther Unconquered number one, which seems fitting with the movie coming out uh, right. this week. But um, out of all of that, two books uh, that we, we generally read, and unfortunately I didn't get a chance to read either. Yeah, um, I do want to check out Sabretooth. I'm behind, a little bit behind on Moon Knight, I think by a couple issues, but Sabretooth and the Exiles, our guy Ferg over at Geeks Worldwide is going to be reviewing that, it looks like, too. So I'm interested to hear what he has to say um, before giving that one a look. From DC, though, we got quite a few titles that we are interested in, two in particular for you, but we got Dark Crisis 6, Wonder Woman 793, Batman versus Robin issue 3, which you are reading, Batman Urban Legends 21, Batgirls 12, I am Batman 15. You are Batman 15. We are all Batman 15. I'm so fucking confused. Batman, you are Batman me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Golden Age, number one. Superman, son of Kal-El. Oh, I read that, by the way. That was tremendous. 
Oh, nice. Batman Inc. issue two, which I do. Um, I, I think I don't know if I gave the first issue a look, but Ghostmaker's at the center of all that, too. And I cannot remember whose cover I saw for the second issue of this, but there's like, it's all like the, the, the it's, it, it looks pretty badass. So I'm going to give that one a look. Um, Flash fastest man alive issue three multiversity team justice issue six. And then Joe, we each have a DC book that we want to sink our teeth into a little bit more. Why don't you take it away? So nice house on the lake issue 11. I think I talked about this last time when this book came out, I want to, this is, by and large, a tremendous series. It really is. The problem for me has been that it's been all over the map in terms of uh, the the spacing of the issues, right? It took a, a four-and-a-half-month hiatus at one point between issue six and seven. But at least through issues one and six, it was an issue a month. It was steady. It was boom. Then the break comes. So we get a couple issues and then we get another, you know, break and then we get a couple issues. So like it's, 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 it's just taken, it's taken a bit longer. And I know, you know, Tyna's got a lot, you know, a lot going on. And so what that does for someone who, who reads the floppies, who reads issues month to month, when there's that much of a, it's one thing if it's like, Okay, you 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 you've it's the end of the third arc, and then like with Saga, for example, it was years between uh, you know the great. last book, right? And then it kept picking back up again. But at least that was like it ended on an arc, it was consistent, it ended, and then it just took forever to kind of come back again, right? So people at least had a chance to catch up and all of that. When there's delays going from issue to issue. It makes it tough, um, you know, to because you you kind of forget. Then you've got to go back and reread because you've read, you know, if you're anything like us, you, you've read a ton of other books in between. Yeah. And so you have a tendency to, you know, forget how good it is. You have a tendency to kind of get, at least I do, have a tendency to get a little cranky. Uh, because you've got to wait longer than normal and then having to go back and reread. So it, it really, what it does is just, it just chops it up and fragments it and it can make it a little. And I think I said last time, I was like, I think I might just wait until it's all done and then just start from the beginning and reread it. Uh, I read this issue. It was excellent. The, pro, the, the, the biggest thing I have with this book is that there's a lot of dialogue and, in the issues where there's action and when things like move at a great pace, it's tremendous, but we've had a bit more issues now where it's, you know, there hasn't been a lot of action. It's just been a lot of, a lot of dialogue. And, and this issue had a lot of that, um, had a lot of that dialogue. So it, the pace is, it was slow, but you know, I can't wait for the next issue. And then when this, when it comes out, I, I'm a hundred percent going to reread it, start to finish again. Cause I think when one does that, you're going to read it and just be able to fly right through it and go, that was fucking excellent. And that's like the one hang up I'm having is that it's just been so choppy. It, it makes it harder for us to fight the good fight too, of like, you know, talking about monthly comics, like, Hey, we, I, 
we both love trades, but like yeah. we we also appreciate the 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 monthly floppies. They're important to the business and everything. But when you go and take these pauses and you have you run into these issues, like hey, we get it. Like artists, like for like you know, we're talking about art, and you may not think it's a physical job, but we hear all the time like how artists like you can run it like a tennis elbow kind of thing. You can run into back issues. All this different stuff can pop up. They can just get sick. Like you run into all these things, and it can throw a whole book off for a month, a couple. Who the hell knows? Um, and, yeah. and and it's it's difficult, but like this doesn't help when you're trying to like if you want to keep the floppies alive or the single issues alive, which to some extent I do. Like you know, for for the health of the business, I care about it immensely. But as a consumer, like I like it for the covers. But if we were told like, hey, we're just gonna you're not gonna learn about this title at all, and then you're just gonna get six issues right off the rip. I again, we, we've had this conversation before, but things like this happening where you run into all these pauses, not ideal. Yeah, yeah it, it's less than ideal. And and real quick, before we, we, we jump out of the book that you want to talk about, considering this is issue 69, nice. Shout out to Bert and the dollhouse. Got your brother. Got your brother. Nice. Uh, okay. I'm, just, I'm just glad it's an actual person in the chat and not uh, and <laughs> no, not, the, not the a box. sex spot. Yeah. Yeah. So he's getting a lot of those on change my mind. I wonder why. Um, yeah. Blame that on West. But, anyways. <clears throat> So for me, from DC this week, the one book that I want to talk about was Wildcats issue one, which I know you were busy over the weekend and everything like that, but I was kind of surprised that you didn't give this one a look. Is it on your like list, your short list of things you wanted to check out this week or not really? Yeah, I really, I, I, I had, you know, so that's the other thing too. Tuesdays are usually my day off. Violence at school, I'm here and I can, whatever books I don't read over the weekend or, or Monday night, I usually can finish up and get read to, on, on Tuesday. But uh, Violet Swaggins uh, didn't have school today. Right? Uh, so, oh, yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I had to, you know, uh, not be a neglectful father and, uh, you know, mix it up once in a while. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I found it very hard to to because I also hadn't seen her in a, in a few days. So right. I didn't want to, you know, so we had a lot of fun today. But so I didn't get nearly as much reading as I normal. Because you're out gallivanting with uh, William and uh, Mac Tavish over there and it's, it's running, <laughs> running into problems. But anyways, uh, Wildcats was a book that I've been you know, look. We got Matt Rosenberg on this title. Matt Rosenberg was the one who was writing uh, Grifter before in Batman Urban Legends. Different artists on this series. Actually, one we're quite familiar with, Steven Segovia, who, for those who are wondering why does that name sound familiar, if you read The Scorched, which was written by a friend of the show, Sean Lewis, you're familiar with Steven Segovia's art. And we've seen him and other stuff, too. He is, I don't know, he's done, I don't know if he's doing all the Dark Crisis stuff or some of it, Um but he's doing work over there. He's busy, man. I don't know how you can do that that much work when you're as an artist. It's one thing when you're a writer. But he's on this title. I thought I had sky high expectations, knowing how Rosenberg wrote Grifter. We both really liked how he wrote Grifter, and I thought Rosenberg did a great job. I gave it like like his work, you know, and grading it on Geach Worldwide because I did review this. His work like was an eight point five. And maybe it could have been a little bit higher, but there was something that was distracting me throughout the course of the story, and it wasn't Segovia's art, but the colors and i'm and i'm blanking on the colors name right now and i and probably just as well not poor work whatsoever joe but it's a thing i don't know why but i'm i feel like i've been more hyper aware of it or, or i have been hyper aware of it recently and probably because of the title that i'm talking about today i'll get into that more later obviously but with wildcats like i want something a little bit grittier especially with grifter right at the center of it that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that they're almost spelt the same way but i i feel like when you're dealing with that character who's a little bit more of a deplorable i don't want something that's too glossy 
necessarily. And that's kind of the vibe that I get in this first issue. Now, I'm more than willing to kind of let that go and read a few more issues because Rosenberg does a good job. He still has great command of Grifter. It's a story that has the potential to be like a fun, you know, um, I don't know if it's a mini series or a macro series, but either way, you know, we don't get a ton of Grifter in the Wildcats in general right now. So I'm, I'm happy to like call the colorist. Generally speaking, is not going to deter me anyways. It's not going to, it's not always going to bring me in. It's not always going to deter me. Um, but that was something that took away from the book for me again, the work's not done poorly. It's just I, the decision in how to go about the colors, whether that falls down to the editors or other decision makers or the creative team, it kind of just bothered me a little bit throughout the course of the story. And, and, and over the course of probably like every page, like especially when I'm looking at Cole Cash without his without his uh, grifter mask on, I'm just like, it just everything just seems too shiny. And I don't understand why that's the case. So it's, I gave it, I think like an eight, eight, a little over an eight out of 10 on geeks worldwide. Um, feel comfortable with that score because I did like it in a lot of ways, but that was something that was just a huge distraction for me. Colors make a huge difference. They, they, yeah. they really do. And I, it, and that's the thing. Cause I think colorists don't get the, the credit they deserve because we just, I think they just sort of get lumped in with the artists. Like when we talk yeah. about art, Right. And we talk about the artist. A lot of times we're talking about, you know, the anchor, right? The guy, the, the, the no, I shouldn't say the guy, the person, mm. you know, who does the line work. Right. And and a lot of times or not a lot of times, but sometimes that person is one and the same. Right. They, they do everything. The artist on the book also does the colors and all that. Um, but most of the time you have the artist say um ryan stegman right he he draw you know and then whoever the colorist is comes in and you know um you know and it gives it gives it the life right gives it that color and yeah. it really can make or break the art really sure. you could you could have just this gorgeous wonderfully detailed line art but if the color scheme doesn't fit you know then it could it could it can really take away right and so I think it's a really understated and underrated aspect to the art when it comes to comic books. And, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't had that experience where I've been like, Oh, the color palette here really is kind of taking me out of, out of mm. the book. A lot of times when I say the art, isn't my cup of tea, the line art, it's, yeah. it's usually the line art. It's, it's the detail. It's either too scratchy or too sketchy or it's too, or just mega man. Oh, oh yeah, the choices they make with the goddamn next fuck oh, Jesus Christ, it's terrible. Um, but like generally that's that's what we you know what we speak of. But this so that's that's interesting. I'll, I'll have to give it a look and see if I have the same take as you or not. Yeah, it's and maybe it's and again, like it could be expectations coming in too. Like this is kind of what this is what I want. And, and the, the only the other thing too, when you talk about lumping things in together, it does kind of go with Segovia's art style too. Like I feel like everything, even with scorched like the scorch like there's i wouldn't call his work glossy but when you look at that compare or i'm sorry the artwork in that story because again it's a, it's a colorist on with, working with him there i wouldn't call his work their work there glossy necessarily but when you compare it to like what we're getting from javier fernandez and uh and his colorist over in king spawn i would call it glossy like there's a pretty significant difference in the the, the aesthetic from a colors perspective so it's um like again i'm gonna read the second issue and it's gonna take it would take a lot for me to not read the third issue too because matt rosenberg is doing a great job segovia is a good line artist too so it's just it was it was um mixed feelings in the end it's like an eight out of ten i'm gonna keep going with it I'll yeah, solid 
Yeah, it's solid. Um, it's, it's it's a solid start, and you don't get to spend a lot of time with Grifter these days. So no, yeah. take your take those opportunities where you can get them. But anyways, let's move over to Image. Take me through what we got there. All right, so we've spawned three thirty-five. Uh, we have Radiant Black nineteen, which mm. again wanted to get to but didn't get a chance. Um, you Some good have stuff there. Some really good stuff there. Tom King's Love Everlasting issue four, Starhenge book one, The Dragon and the Boar number five, fix your title. Uh, Kaya number two, you have Mirka and Dolphos Unnatural Blue Blood number four, uh, Two Graves number one, The Least We Can Do number three gospel number one uh soldier stories number one which we highlighted during the solicit because this is written this is a series of uh stories written by veterans uh mm -hmm. so this is something that uh definitely should check out people should check out yep um uh, because i'm sure there's going to be some very personal uh very emotional and gutting stories uh in that book uh we have three keys number two uh skull kickers uh 10th anniversary issue and then we each have a book uh that we want to discuss uh so since the people last heard your voice um i will go first you know because we can't have too much fryer here you know people Sounds will easy. revolt and you gotta stay uh, on brand too you first every time big me yeah, guy damn over right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 big me there's a bedroom <laughs> joke uh to be made there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah sure you can make that joke i'm not gonna make that yeah joke. yeah 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 um but i'm 100 committed now do a power bomb is going to be a tldr issue at some point like nice i've pretty much known that's going to be the case but you know i just want to you know make sure now i thought with issue six we were getting the end of the arc but this we're going to get seven in this one so i don't know if they decided to extend the story a little bit because it's it's been doing well or whatnot but huh. um i was reading this book fully expecting it to come to a close and what we get at the end of this issue was tremendous a great little you know rug getting pulled out from underneath uh you know the main character's feet there and uh a turn i never would have saw coming really absolutely, yeah absolutely uh, tremendous so uh again i i still think the title is dumb as shit but yeah this book is excellent huh. can't wait to discuss it uh do a power bomb uh, that's a pleasant definitely. surprise but that's yeah. very strange about the the seventh seventh issue arc like we've seen four issue arcs obviously we see five all the time um six obviously is the, the standard but when you get into seven i don't know that i, I mean like unless it's a, a story that is solely seven issues but then like you're probably dealing with different arc sizes you know it's not just one seven story arc but if it's something that's going to go like, so could you see it just stopping at seven and then that's it? I mean, I thought it was stopping at six. So, I mean, it, it definitely said okay. to be concluded. So, okay. I mean, so then it's okay. Then it makes more sense. Okay. So it just sounds like they decided, okay, like, oh, this is good. Can you, can you, you know, can you make it seven or we've got enough here? Can we have an extra issue? And they say, I don't know what the dynamic was. Maybe it was supposed to be seven all along. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I I love the direction. It'll be this will be a great final issue. Huh. Okay, That's, I'm 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 excited to hear about it because because as much as like you talked about it, how much you like it and everything, the first thing I think of when I see do a power bomb is change your title. 
Like yeah. Joe does not like it. Like that is that is the first thing I always think of. So I'll be like, there's another movie. there's another wrestling book coming out. We're, we're all of a sudden we're getting a bunch of these really cool like gritty mm-hmm. indie wrestling books. Like Crimson Crimson Cage is a phenomenal fucking title. For really good, book, right? Really and good. The next the next the, the the I can't remember the title of. It. I go, that's a good fucking wrestling. Like, do a power bomb, like just call mm-hmm. it power bomb or uh, there's you know something. I, yeah, just call it power bomb. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anywho, you know, I don't, I don't get paid to make these decisions, but it's an no. excellent book and I can't wait to discuss it. Not yet, at least. But, um, one thing <laughs> I want to say before I talk about the book that I wanted to dig into more two graves, I know that was a book that you want to look into had a very promising start that, and it seems like it has like the bones, like I'm definitely going to check out the second issue, but I, as it, it kind of went along, I was like, oh, I'm kind of confused what's going on and confused and not in the, the greatest way. So I think it's something worth giving a look. Cause maybe, Hey, maybe I read it and just wasn't in the right state of mind. Um, and, di- and didn't you know, take in everything that I was supposed to. Something just didn't hit me right, whatever it is. But I think there's potential, at least even if you take it in, like I did to, to want to look at that second issue moving forward. Um, but you talk about a book that you, you know, to do a power bomb that you want to talk about on this show at some point. Seven Sons is a book that I'm going to want to talk about. Maybe we end up doing that at the same time because this, the sixth issue of that is out this week. And when I read the first issue, I like, so first, when we saw the cover art for, art for this originally, it was like, whoa, this looks fucking weird. Like, I, I was kind of interested in it, but for you, it was like definitely like an I'm out kind of situation. Yeah. I read the first issue and I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is fucking, this is like, you're dealing with like some religious stuff, a lot of like in conspiracy theory stuff. And like, uh, and there's a dystopian aspect to it too. In a, in a different, like in like 1998 too, which is kind of cool. Um, everything about it. I really liked, I don't want to get too much into the macro because we'll talk about it on the show at some point down the line. But for this issue specifically, this one was a particular mindfuck because, and I, I, I don't like it's, it, I, I can't get into it now, but I think I, I will in some capacity when we get to uh, when I do it on the main line, because I think there's a certain detail that's going to be important for people to um, be aware of as they go from the first issue to the second issue and all the way to the sixth. Um, so I'm very excited for the seventh issue coming out of this. But I think if you've like I think if you've been reading this title, there's been like an itch in the back of your brain, like, wait a second, like what this happened a while back why am i like not seeing anything regarding that development earlier on in the story you get that here and it was like when it happens in the end i was like okay this like now i i have like it's a it's a bit of a um not a reset but like a redirection i don't know but it was like an extra jolt for me for this title everything's been good like i was it was no it's been no doubt a tldr book for me since like I thought it was after the first issue was confirmed with the second, but once you get the sixth one here, it's like, okay, this is like a, an extra um, bit of life into this title for me. So love that. Love that. Very excited to talk about seven sons when, uh, when that one wraps up, which is, I believe that's coming soon. I think it's going to be eight issues, but um, we look over to boom. We got a couple first issues out this week. Firefly, firefly keep flying issue one. And then we got another book that, (laughs) You called dibs on, and honest to God, Joe, I thought you called dibs on it before it came out. But, but yeah. I, I, was, I guess I was misremembered. Yeah, I couldn't remember or not, um, but you can never be, you know, too sure these days. Uh, but specs yeah. number one. This is a book that I think, you know, I think what you're recalling is um, 
the solicit. And I said, Ooh, I highlighted this book. I said, This one, it's boom number one. I definitely mm. want to read this one. Uh, yeah. but specs number one with the first thing that stood out to me was this was that it was Chris Sheehan um on the art. Yeah. Right. And he's the artist from the autumnal. Um, and so like the premise of this is, you know, two high school kids, you know, in the 80s you know, reading comic books and they see, you know, an ad for magic specs, right? Cause the comic books back in the day, instead of you know, the ads were for random shit like this versus just sort of promoting the next books and stuff that sure. that are coming down the line. And so uh, what I, what I loved about this first issue was that you get some great characters right off the bat. It's got that eighties kind of feeling without being like, either too nostalgic or too heavy handed with the references or the pop culture references. Like you just see the, you know, there's some panels where the, the two main characters are, they're just playing Nintendo as they're talking about shit. Right. And you can, you can just see that classic Nintendo controller and it's really cool because it's got, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say horror vibes, but I can see that it's going to go down sort of that huh. mystery, kind of road with maybe either some horror tropes or like there's gonna be some very subtle elements to it i think i love sheehan's art because it's so it's just like it's understated but it's perfect right it's just he's got a great way i think of capturing scenes and 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 actions and, and things like that and so the premise of it uh you know is they order these glasses uh, well, they actually don't order the glasses. They just kind of show up and then they make wishes and they come true. And, you know, how how they start making wishes and then sort of where they go. And it's sort of like that that old trope of like you make a wish that on the front seems innocent enough. But then it's, you know, oh, the unintended consequences like, uh, y you know, you, you don't see like they both wish for good grades. Uh, on exam and they both get the same exact grade and have all the same exact answers. The next panel is you just see them like sitting in front of the principal's office, like, like stuff like that. So there's some great, like just subtle, like comedy in it. Like that just kind of like makes you laugh, but then like it, it takes some turns and it's really good. So I can't, I read this, I go, yep, 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 yep. Right in my wheelhouse. So I can't nice. wait to see where it goes. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just, this was an excellent book. Boom, boom, does it again. Did you throw it up in our doc to make sure? That no, but I will. Okay, I will. Um, but yeah, Christian, like obviously the first title that we both think of when we think of Christian is the Tumnal, and um, not not that is not a boom book, but if you haven't read that one, definitely it's something worth picking up. Uh, I know we're outside of spooky season, but that's still an awesome any time of year. It's, it's, it's an awesome book to read. Um, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll fly us through this other stuff that we got Joe, before we get to uh, the last one that you want to highlight. So we got dark horse minor threats issue two shock shop from sh friend of the show. Colin Bunn issue three is out this week. IDW TMNT one thirty four, TMNT Armageddon game issue one is out today this week. That's, Okay. Uh, Star Trek, the trill comics. I mean, that's what League of comic geeks had. Okay. Uh, Star Trek, the trill issue one MLP classics reimagined my little, little pony. Oh, it's my little pony. We, we did this already. We did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, classics reimagined little Philly issue one. I am so the Philly should have given it away as well. You know, it should. Like I'm, I'm reading it. Like what is, what are the little Phillies? Like, <laughs> 
Jeez. Bryce Harper, little little <laughs> mini Bryce Harpers. That's what the Astros turned him into by the end of that series. Oh, my God, yeah, fucking horseshit. Uh, unbelievable. But um, anyways, Dynamite, Lady Hell issue three, and Lord of the Jungle issue one from Titan. We got Gun Honey, Blood for Blood issue three. Awesome title. Of course, we had Charles Ardai on, on the show a little while back. Sherlock, a scandal in Belgravia part two, Gravia. issue four. Belgravia. Yeah. It's like an actual place. It's it's Belgravia. It's not too Belgravia. long. I'm, I'm not questioning you on your pronunciation. I'm asking you if it's a real place. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, I, uh, I I think it's a title of an old Sherlock Holmes book. A scandal in Belgravia. Yeah. Part two. That's too long a title. Uh, why is right. it? Bar, 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 scandal in Belgravia. Part two. What? Just call. Just have it like be like issue eight. Or something like that. Make it make it easier. Anyways, Vault Dark Interlude. We gotta get you on writing the titles. Dol- Vault Dark Interlude Issue Five. Skybound Dark Ride. Dar- yes. Darl Ride. Okay. Yeah, Dark. I was exhausted when I wrote this last night. You should have just asked me to do it. I should have volunteered, but you should have just asked me to do it. I should have done it. Uh, Dark Ride Issue Two is out this week from Skybound. We also got Skybound Presents After School Issue Four. And then from Comicology, Dudley Datsun Issue Three. God, I gotta get moving on that title. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got a book out from AWA this week, Joe. And, of course, you want to talk about it. I sure do. So uh, we have uh, from AWA, Year Zero, Volume Zero, uh, issue number two, written, speaking of the Atomo, written by uh, Daniel Krauss. Mm. And so I talked about issue one uh, when it came out a month ago. Issue two is even better. And what's great about it is, you know, I love how, you know, Kraus writes, you know, he's, he, he, he gets horror really well. And it's, and it's, again, it's layered. It, it's a building kind of thing. We, we saw that with the autumnal and what I loved about year zero volume one and year zero volume two written originally by Ben Percy was you had these vignettes, right? So to speak, like there was, you know, if you know, volume one followed, you know, these five characters, then volume two followed a different set of characters. So this follows the same thing. And you know, you could read all three of these and think the same person wrote all three volumes, right? So Kraus has done a really yeah. good job at sort of um using his writing style and making it mesh really well with what uh, Percy has started and created. Yeah. Um, initially so when this comes out you know in trade form and when i inevitably reread it again and then reread year one volume one year you know years um year zero volume two and kind of read them all together i'm going to look forward to that that story um because it does it seems seamless and it's very interesting and engaging characters that he's created here far different from those that Percy created in volume one and, and from what he created in volume two, but just as engaging, um, just as suspenseful. Um, and issue two adds layers now to like that suspense, because at this point, if you've already read, you know, volumes one and two, you know, what's coming down the pike, you know, where this is all leading, but it's, it's still creating that suspense, which I think is excellent given that, for those who've already read it know where the outcome is so there could be that like oh okay like yeah 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 we get it uh 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 very very different so uh, very good and so and if you're new to this um you're going to love sort of what's what's coming up next 
Yeah, that's some high praise. I mean, to say, be able to say, like, I mean, obviously, Atomo was a great series and everything like that, but then be able to say, like, you're going to go and take on another impressive writer's title and then be able to wait to still make it all feel like it's in, like it's very much the same world. Nothing has changed in that capacity. While you want to make it your own thing, being able to do that too is still like an it's, it's still a challenge in itself. It's still impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the the the, the trick, and he and he's doing a great job. So, um, tremendous, 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 awesome stuff. Well, as, as we expect from AWA, which actually, if I'm not mistaken, Joseph, you are talking about an AWA title this week. Yeah, and I I, I wrote a list um, while I was on the plane of how many AWA books I've read, uh, and it's a it's it's an astronomical number, and there's still a ton, especially in the early days of AWA, I haven't yeah. read yet that I want yep. to go back and, and check out, and so, um, you know, so this week, you know, I'm discussing Erratic from AWA Studios. This is written and drawn uh, by Car Andrews uh, with colorists uh, Brian Rebar. Uh, letters by Sal Cipriano. And so this is a book that has been on my AWA radar for a long time. Um, it's part of the resistance universe It is one of the early resistance universe books that came out. And, but I never got around to reading it because by the time I really started getting into the resistance, I think erratic had already sort of been in, in, in trade paperback form. And I was already going through and, catching up on all this reading resistance because i was late to reading that and then sure. resistance reborn and then the, blah, 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 blah. but i had always heard good things about this and when we had axel alonzo on the first time which was you know just over a year ago maybe a little bit longer uh you know he was talking about the you know the different titles you know and you know how he sort of described erratic was it's a book for you know younger readers uh, that's got a Spider-Man flavor to it. Definitely. It's, it's, it's exactly what it is. So I'll, I'll rip through the synopsis here real quick. and then Before you do that, I just want to say when when I, AWA first got introduced to me, same thing. I saw the the designs for Erratic, and I was like, this character looks pretty badass. Like I, I, I could give him a look, but go ahead. For, for those who are watching right now, that's that's my background. Uh, that's, the, that's the main character. Our but background. Me guy, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you didn't read the fucking book, Nick. I did. Um, but this uh, this cover is tremendous. This is uh, what what AWA does that I actually really love because with Marvel and 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 DC especially, you get a thousand variant covers, and it's great for those artists that 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 are getting the work. But what AWA does is like they only do variant covers for the first issue, and then generally it's the same cover artist um you know going forward and so this one here is by, done by again friend of the show john boyd myers he absolutely kills it i love i love that cover uh for this book um but synopsis you're 15 years old you're suddenly granted incredible powers cool right there's only one problem you can only use your powers for 10 minutes at a time uh what you do when you have to save the what do you do when you have to save the world uh but you only have 10 minutes to do it this is the problem faced by Oliver Leaf, a teenager who has just moved to a new town, a new school, and is having a hard enough time navigating classes and his crush before interdimensional monsters start showing up. What do you have for dessert? Interdimensional monsters. Oh, I love it, kiddo. My daughter's having pumpkin s'mores for dessert. 
Uh, oh, I thought so it was an interdimensional I, monster. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I absolutely love that premise. So, right, this this spans from the Great Death. This is the the event that we've talked about many times when I've ever, when when we've done um, Resistance books on this show. This is a universe that that they wanted to create that was based on a pandemic level event that killed an extraordinary number of people. But those but a percentage of those who survived, you know, um, got endowed with special powers. And the fact that his character has a special power that they can only use for 10 minutes at a time. That's fantastic. That's right. We have, I, I mean, when was the last time if, if ever, if you've seen that where like, yeah, we've read stories where, you know, they lose their powers, but they eventually get them back, but they always, always kind of have them. This is like a, Oh shit. Like, I gotta save this, or I gotta time this just right. Because if I don't, I'm fucked. The town's mm-hmm. fucked. The world's right. It's that's that's an incredible thing. And so, yeah, it just that absolutely fascinated me. And so, while this is billed as you know a young adult comic, it's so much more than that, right? Like this is a book I hundred percent wouldn't think twice about giving to my nephew Patrick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like this is this is a great book if you if you have kids that you want to introduce to comics to superheroes as something that's not Marvel, that's not DC, that's a little more indie. This is a great, great book to start off with because you've got this really cool superhero. He's a kid. He's relatable. Family's relatable. The situation he is minus the pandemic and the superpowers, but like moving into a new school, kind of getting bullied, not fitting in. Like that's all, you know, very relatable. It is all very Spider-Man esque, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it is something really that anyone can read. I read this and absolutely enjoyed it. Right. There's there's other like you know, young adult books that we've read. I said, yep, this is great for them. Not for me Mm. looking at you, IDW with your fucking star Wars books. (laughs) Um, Right. You know, the high Republic books. Um, So like, this is just, I think a really great um, all ages book. It really is. Um, And, you know, Oliver, he's the main character and, you know, his, like I said, his powers, not only something that he he can only use 10 minutes at a time, but like he's pretty much, you know, he's, he's got to recharge. He only gets to use them like pretty much once a day. So that's the other thing too. Right. Cause like, it's not like, Oh shit. Power's out. I got to wait 10 minutes before I can use it's boom. He's got to do a full 24, 24 hour recharge. And so while this is very Spider-Man esque, right. You've got the teenager in high school. Who's now got powers. There's a love interest. Uh, it's very similar in that in that you know uh, manner, but like you know with Spider Man, you know he's got this the whole thing with Uncle Ben with great power comes great responsibility, you know the whole thing, right? So there's a different family dynamic with Peter Parker and and, and Spider Man than there is with Oliver Leaf and his family. Uh, his what his mom kind of stinks. <laughs> oh wow, she's she's not a character that you really root for. You know she oh. tries hard. Um, but she's really doing her kids a great disservice. Now, I don't like this first volume doesn't really dive dive into her past and dive into the events that sort of lead them to where they are in this new town. And with volume two just started, 
Um, we're, we're two or three issues in at this point. Maybe I haven't read that yet, but but maybe they get into that. You know, I'm assuming just, you know, her, her sort of downturn came from the events of, of, of the great death. But she's not someone you really root for, at least early on. He's got an older brother who is just high school football jock, very popular, starts on the varsity football team. He's really good. And he's good to his brother, but he's also like, okay, we're at this party. I need you to hang out with your nerd friends um, and kind of leave me alone because I'm trying to fit in with these guys over here. But, you know, uh, I got your back, but I gave you a ride here. I'm not giving you a ride home kind of thing. So there's like there's this family dynamic that is wildly dysfunctional. And that's kind of some, you know, some of the things that sort of set this apart, you know, from it's, you know, from it, you know, just being it's, it. I don't want to say it's a Spider-Man knockoff. It's not. It has a lot of the same tropes, but I like that dynamic to it right where things aren't either you know all all rosy or you have that sort of you know because his relationship with aunt may is is really special right and his relationship with you know with uncle ben when he had was really special this is a lot it's a 180 from that well that's an improvement Um, too i think in some ways because when you look at spider-man 2 i was actually just thinking about this earlier today how like everybody is always ever like with spider-man everybody's so invested right in his personal life it's like why can why can peter parker never have like things being going okay in his personal life it's always got to be an issue which again like you're talking about comics and stuff like that like there's storytelling like that's gonna happen a lot with characters yeah. what's the story that's there like they're happy living at home like reading their books by a candlelight like you can't tell a story on that sort of a thing so you already have it built in where it's like okay every time that like things are going wrong with this family it, it makes sense Right. And so it's just it's just a great it's a great dynamic. And and while I think Peter Parker, you know, is relatable to a lot of people, I think this character is maybe even a little bit more, you know, relatable, you know, sort of in that sense. And, you know, he has the love interest, which I'll I'll dive into a little bit when we get into the characters here. But, you know, this is. You know, this, like I said, this book sort of fits in with the Resistance universe. And I think it's a great way to get sort of younger readers sort of, you know, into that universe. The problem with the Resistance universe is that this is the only real sort of all ages, you know, kid or young, young reader, you know, friendly title for the Resistance. Everything else that happens, like Resistance, Resistance Reborns, Resistance Uprising, Moths, Knighted. Right, those are for more mature readers, right? Sure. There's a dark, yep. there's a darker tone. There's there's more that happens there. So it's like, yeah, I give this book to my nephew, and he loves it, and he wants to go and read the other resistance books. And I'd have to say, mm, I don't know, you know, maybe you know, like maybe if I wanted to be a cool uncle, I'd let him read it. But then it, his parents might be like, what the fuck, are you giving my kid this to read? You know, not that they're like over the top. It's not like I'm giving them like, yep, you know, you know, not, he, yeah. He, he could read them, right? But it's like it's it's not like you're a sweet paprika. Yeah, well, yeah, facts. But you know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit more of like uh a jump you've got to make in terms of it, like, you know, like it fits in perfectly because of all the references to everything that happens, but like he could probably read resistance and be fine. Like moths takes, you know, that is a very emotional book. That takes like that's mm. a book where, like, if a twelve-year-old reads, like, it's not like there's anything that happens is that graphic or illicit, but like the emotional tone that that book takes um, might go over his head. You well, know there's what I certain, mean? certain things when you look at like Knighted too. That's another one where I think, like, yeah, there's like there's emotional things that are going on with that character. That right. I mean, maybe a kid 
you know, your nephew's age might understand some of it, but they're not going to fully understand it in any in, in, for sure. Um, right. He still could enjoy that title, but he's not going to get everything out of it. More than likely that you and I are getting out of it. Right. But it's great that there's volume one, there's volume two is out now. So like you can give them this book and then maybe, you know, if they yeah. stick, you know, stick with it, you know, a year or two goes by, boom, jump right and love it. So, you know, that was like my only like thing as I'm reading it, like, yeah, this is great. But like it's in this universe now where the other titles are definitely a little bit more mature. Uh, tone is a lot darker, right? There's things that, that, that play more on current political events and things like that. But um, overall, fantastic. And the other thing that I loved about this book is Carr Andrews art. So he writes it and draws it. Um and you know uh, the colorist was uh, Brian uh, Rebart. Like the art in this book is gorgeous. It's got that like it does have that sort of like young adult feel to it, where the art is a little more, a little more you know sort of cartoony, but it fits the tone of the book. The colors are absolutely outstanding. Like it just fits. Like mm. everything about this just works together. Now, you know, not just tonally but artistically too, right? Uh, the art is different than what you get in Moths, what you get in Resistance, you know, because Mike Diodato and Car Andrews are not the same, you know, artists. <laughs> right. Right. And I, but I feel like, you know, Diodato's art, you know, really fits that universe really well. Yeah, 100%. Right? I mean, yeah. But he just has a unique style in, in it. And by the way, when you look at, uh, I know now getting the erratic floppies, like, yeah, you can get it for volume two. And I'm sure there's some cool covers there. But if you look up erratic and in, in, in look at some of the covers, you know, if you go on Google or whatever, there are a lot of kick-ass covers. For yeah. Title too. There really are. So the art, the art's a huge, huge bonus for this book. It's fantastic. It fits the tone. It fits the, everything about it. Like, Car Andrews, I think, was a really good choice to sort of give this title to uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and let them run with it. So um, just a couple of characters real quick, you know, that I wanted to dive into. You have Oliver Leaf. He's the main character. He's 15 years old, hmm. you know, and, you know, he struggles to fit in, like I said. And, and, and But he's also still trying to figure out his powers. So like those, you know, great scene like we see from Shazam when he's trying to figure out his powers, you know, early on. Like hmm. it's like he just sort of gives off this huge like sort of energy burst right and it just sort of you know emanates from it's it's wild and him still trying to figure out you know what's going on and then we we sort of get introduced to this character named doc who is trying to help him out trying to harness you know that energy no um, we don't are you kidding me yeah 100 percent. the truth comes out burying the friggin' lead you're like 15 minutes into talking about this book and now we know why joe loves this book yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's shifty though he's shifty so we well, see we, it's on we, brand it's, it is on brand so we still don't know what there is about this guy but like that was a cool aspect of this first volume is mm. trying to understand like what the hell is going on um, how do I control it? How do I harness it? You know, you know, what is exactly all of this? So I, you know, as, as a kid, I, you know, again, the tone is perfect. Um, you got Mr. Marquez. He's the main antagonist. He's this, you know, takes over as principal of the school and he's sort of this weird villain. Uh, you know, he kind of reminds me of like a character from Chew. Remember when I talked about Chew? Because sure. it almost kind of you know mimics that art style a little bit too. So he's just kind of uh, weird looking character, and you don't really know, you know, like his origin. But he's trying to like run this 
sort of communistic conformist style to his school where he wants, you know, uh, you know, everyone to fall in line, look the same. No one is greater than anyone else sort of thing. And you get that he's got some sort of mind control powers to him. And so his like story arc is, is, is really interesting, you know, and where it starts and, and where it finishes. Um, and then the other, you know, there's a couple of other, there's another friend, Biju, they call him Beej, which I think is hilarious. He's Oliver's hmm. sort of best friend. Uh, but Kristen, that's the love interest. She's the popular girl. She's very much into getting clicks uh, and going viral. And a funny thing that happens with her is like, there's this love hate relationship between the two where you could tell like, he's really into her and she's into him, but she's playing it. Like she's not because she's the popular girl and he's a dweeb, uh, but she gets really pissed at him. I thought this was great comedy. Cause every time she tries to video him to go viral, his powers like block, it's like an EMP. So it blocks like all video devices. She gets really pissed off at him because like, she can't get that viral moment she's looking for, but they have a great arc and a great sort of love hate relationship, you know, in this first volume. So again, very Spider-Man esque without, you know, being Spider-Man. Um, I enjoyed it very much, man. When you talk about like, you know, again, always the first thing we talk about afterwards is show or a movie. And I mean, first of all, just want to restate this. And sometimes I put my foot in my mouth when I say this comics are the superior medium medium. Yeah. Uh, last time I said that to one of, to a writer, I thought, you know, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, I stand by what I said. It's the superior medium, and he's still the writer of the book. It doesn't matter if he's writing the movie. I'm yeah, not but sorry, he also Johnny wrote the Cates. script to the movie. <laughs> yeah, not sorry, Johnny Cates. Your original work is your best work. It's a compliment to you, regardless. And it's not. It's not. It's not a condemnation of your uh, your script writing ability. It's about. It's, it's, there's a lot of things that play in the course of that. But um, when I hear when I hear uh, all of this. I think you could go either way with this character. I think you have infinite potential with this character. I know, know AWA, they have, if I'm not mistaken, it's a, it's a movie deal that they have, right? Where there's a movie like studios that they're working with, right? Shows are not necessarily where they're, they're going right now. Obviously when you look at their, their titles by and large, it makes more sense for them to go movies because they do these limited series. But I think with the resistance universe, you could go either way, but with erratic, you could do live action, movie live action show. You could do animated show based on everything that you're telling me right now. Give me an animated show for this. I think Ooh, that would be tremendous. I love it even more. Yeah, g- give me like, yeah. like uh, you know, like Spider-Man, like the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Give me something like that. I think mm. it would be fantastic. That would be the Ooh. way to go. Because you could do nice. this as a movie, but live a- this doesn't feel live action. Nothing about this screams live action to me. And maybe that's, uh, you know... You know, says something about Car Andrews' art in this, uh, where I just think like cartoon, because w- you could do more with it because there's a lot required of this character's superpowers and some of the powers from some of the other characters that we meet. And I think like there's just there's unlimited potential to make like seasons of animated shows for this that would be excellent. Mm, yeah, I mean, and I honestly, anytime. We don't say this a whole lot, but I, I as we, as you're talking about it, it, it makes me think like anytime we see a comic that we look at it and think it's probably better served in animated form, like Saga is obviously you know the, the case in point for that too. And in Invincible, I think you like we've seen it, and I think if you if someone tried to say, hey, let's do this live action, like now having seen it in animated form, it just wouldn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. You'd like it would feel like too much of a knockoff of the boys, especially too, just because how violent things can get. 
but uh, as much as they're very different from one another, um, I I think anytime though you're getting a comic book series and it's like this is probably better served in the animated form. I think the artists and the, like did their job. Like they made it where it's like yeah. you need to see it similar to this. They absolutely knocked it out of the park. So this is a lot about Carl Wilson, um, Carl Andrews, excuse me. About I'm getting mixed into to my title now. Um, um, so awesome. Yeah, I I, I, yeah. I wanted to give Erratic a look, and now I'm definitely gonna go and make sure I do that. Um, you know, I, I, because this, this sounds like an outstanding title and, and and one for everybody too. So an awesome way to get introduced into the. Uh, the the resistance universe over at awa um but you got anything else for me on erratic before i move into my title no it's tremendous if you haven't read it read it okay awesome so we go from one series with some amazing art of course we got the the, the line artist the same person as the writer on this one for we got another one too where i talked about that i'm gonna talk about today i talked earlier about how colors were impacting me on a title in a little more of a negative way and now I'm going to break down another title where it's also from the same company, DC Comics, but the colors impacted me in such a positive manner. It's mind-blowing. Um, and that's Poison Ivy, which this is a macro series. And I'll get to that in a second, but this is started its run in 2022. Um, the writer on this series, G. Willow Wilson, artist Mar uh, Marcio Takara, colorist Arif Prianto, and letterer Hassan Osmani Alhau. Uh, the synopsis for this series, Pamela Isley has been a lot of things in her life, a living God, a supervillain, an activist, a scientist, and dead. Uh, in a new body that she didn't ask for, and with a renewed sense of purpose, Ivy leaves Gotham and sets out to complete her greatest work, a gift to the world that will heal the damage dealt to it by ending humanity spinning out of the pages of batman dc is proud to present the unbelievable next chapter in poison ivy's life by the incredible creative team of g willow wilson and marcio takara um first off if you haven't been reading batman whether it's like you know during chips run or pre-chips run yes i do recommend obviously reading chips run joe's talked about it a lot more on here than i have i've been behind him on it but you don't have to have read a single page of either one to be able to appreciate what's going on with Poison Ivy. You also don't need to have this overwhelming like background on the character. Look, we all know who Poison Ivy is. If you know who if you know that she's always had her issues with humanity and in some ways it's like kind of an anti-hero as much as she may generally feel more like a villain, as long as you have all that and you know like, you know, her relationship with Harley Quinn too, which not that Harley Quinn's in in, in the, throughout this title, those are just all things that are important to know. Once you know that, you've listened, you've heard it here, you're a refresher or whatever, you're good. This is primarily centered around Ivy. Like you see, obviously, there's other people that she has to deal with in the course of it. But when we're talking about DC legacy characters, we see like someone pop up in like a hallucination. We see somebody else, you know, pop up a little bit later on in the story. And that character is probably going to be part of the mix in the second arc of this because we've only gotten six issues of this Poison Ivy title. And it was originally only supposed to be Joe six issues but it, it had such a massive amount of success i don't know if it was the first issue or the second issue maybe it was even after the third they decided they were going to turn this into a macro series so this is going to be a 12 issue series but i couldn't wait to talk about this one any longer that after the sixth issue yeah like you couldn't have ended it right at that sixth issue but i'm sure they adjusted midway you know as they decided to turn this into a macro series but um they did they did like like Right now, it makes perfect sense where they put things like where they where they ended this first arc for this title. 
But as I mentioned before, like I will talk about the line art and the color art, but I mean the the the, um, the writing of this. But Arif Prianto, I don't know, Joe, if there's an Eisner for a colorist, and we should I should know that. I should have looked it up before all this too. I forget, but I'm pretty sure there is an Eisner for color artwork. Arif Prianto a- absolutely deserves that for this title. Like like to me. Of all the stuff we've seen this year, yes, like we get um, Tamara Bonville and obviously does amazing work over with um, uh, Once in Future. And there's other you know, other work too as well that Tamara does. But that's the one that jumps to mind you know, for me first. Then Jordi Belair, one of the one of the best in the business as well. Anytime Jordi does stuff, it has a huge impact on the series. I've cited that before, I think, with Sy Spurrier's um, Hellblazer run. Do you, did you confirm if there is a, a uh, Eisner? There is. The Eisner Award for Best Coloring is an award for creative achievement in American comic books, and it's awarded to the colorist. Yep. Okay. There we go. So Arif Prianto should absolutely win this, like 100%. So as much as I – those are two colorists that we cite primarily on this show, probably more than anybody, Tamara Von Villain and Jordi Belair. Arif Prianto, not familiar with with Arif Prianto's work prior to this series – instantly like what like to me one of the best colors here now if you're watching the show uh, i did uh i do have the one of the poison ivy covers i believe i don't remember which title actually joe you you were the one that pulled this um which issue is this one this cover for do you know issue one issue one okay this is the dan mora cover and there have been a ton of awesome covers for this one too i was looking at some from uh issue six and there's they, there's a lot of awesome work to bring in some of the best people here. Of course, Dan Mora, one of the best artists in the business, never mind color art, cover artists. But with Prianto, Mauricio Takara's art is like, it does a great job with the line work. But I've never, it's, there's not many times that you can say, and I don't know if I can, can think of another time where the color art consumes the line art to where that's what I'm thinking of first when I think of this title. Like, I'm not kidding, Joe. When Poison Ivy came out, I was like, I cannot wait to see what the colors do with this. Like, I cannot wait to see how crazy things get because there's a there's a virus that's mixed in in all of this that Poison Ivy's got going on. And the way, like, yes, don't get me wrong, like, Takara is the one that's got to be drawing everything there. But the way that Prianto is able to amplify every ounce of it, it is just it, it fits poison ivy as a character it fits like you know like a plant type virus kind of thing that we got going on totally makes sense for it and it's just like th- that's those are the images that stick with you afterwards and as much as we talk about how important colors can be i know you're saying it before when we we're talking about how wildcats was a little bit of a detractor I cannot recall another time where it had this much of an impact on me where like this is the number one thing for me with this title um, definitely enhances. We've, we've talked about that at nauseum before, not nauseum, but plenty of times. This is, this is some next level shit though, with the color. So you've never had an example of that, right? That you can think of off the top of your head. No, no. But I mean, like I said before, like colorists, like they make or break, you know, uh, they, they really do like, I shouldn't say make or break, but they really do add, uh, you know, that life right to the art. I'm looking at, uh, Eisner Award for colorists, Matt Hollingsworth won for preacher. Oh yeah, yep. Um, uh, and, and a few other things. Uh, Dave Stewart leads the pack with ten Eisners. Mm. Um, we Jordy Belair has two. Uh, Laura Allred is the most recent uh, winner, at least mm. according to Wikipedia uh, for 2021. So mm. I don't know why this isn't updated, but for X-ray robot. 
Bowie, Stardust, Ray Guns, and Moon Age Daydreams. Um, but like, yeah, there's like Dave Stewart, Chris Ware, Laura Allred. Those are the ones that sort of like, you know lead the charge. Uh, Jordy Belair, right? Um, I'm surprised Tamara Von so. Villain hasn't won because when we, when we think of like as much as Dan Moore absolutely kicks ass from a line art perspective, when you look at um, when we talk about once in future, like Tamara Von Villain's like colors, like really just everything yeah. pops next level. Yeah, with with Dan Moore's artwork, but um, now I will say when it comes to colors, like yes, it can go and be awesome and everything, but that that only is going to mean so much when you have a line artist that you don't necessarily care for their work quite as much. Uh, Mercy Takara does awesome stuff with Poison Ivy. And then also, again, like if the story is not good, sometimes that can carry, like art can carry the story. and You can be fine for a certain period of time. Some people you can't carry at all, but you have G Willow Wilson who has like a full understanding of this character. But if she didn't like, then I don't know how much I'd necessarily care about Earth Prianto's, color work in this series so just just things that are like important to note where i'm as much as i'm giving prianto all this praise those two did an outstanding job throughout the course of the series and i will say too uh when it comes to the letters hassan ostame uh al like has to do a lot of different work too with poison ivy i don't want to get into exactly the details behind that because that is a little bit spoilery um but there, there's a lot of different work that that he has to do there um but i for those who like let's I don't know how many people watch Harley Quinn animated series, but I got to assume there's more people watching that than necessarily reading Poison Ivy. But if you're, if you're watching that show and it's like, Oh, you know, Poison Ivy, there's a title going on right now. Or you see that the, the first half of the, the, the series come out in trade form, let's say, and you're thinking, Oh, I'm going to get th this version of, of Poison Ivy. I'm forgetting the, the, the voice actor for that series. Um, does, they do a great job with her in that show, but there's, there's difference. Like, like there's similarities and important similarities where again, like knowing the character and having an understanding of what makes her tick, what makes her move, what motivates her. That's all there with this character, but there are differences. Like, is it, I think it's sky bell. That's the voice actress, but there's like a certain, um, like uh, way to that character in the course of the animated series that I like that is different to poison Ivy there. Um, in general, you don't get that here. So just if, if you if you watch the show and you, you love her there and like kind of like the, the side comments that she'll mumble to herself and all those things, you're not getting that kind of comedy necessarily here. This is more like Poison Ivy who's motivated, who's out here like cashing checks and breaking necks um, and, and she's not fucking around. So and look, in the synopsis, you heard it, like it's all about her issues with humanity. There is a whole thing that she goes through throughout the course of this first arc too that I cannot wait to see how it unfolds in the second arc. Um, and it's just like it's it's because she's got her own shit going on internally and then how that kind of transpires externally and the development of that over the course of the arc is some awesome stuff too. I mean, again, I'm talking all about the artwork, but the, the, the story here is also what keeps me coming back. Um so I cannot wait for the second arc of this. Um, I'll be checking in on that throughout the course of it all and, and what's new. But this first arc alone, like it's awesome stuff. To have this be a mini series and get turned into a macro series should should be enough. Like I shouldn't need to tell you guys much more than that. That is huge, especially when we're talking about one of the big two. Because as much as it's a challenge to do that with the with the indie titles. I'm sure indie creators, like when, you, when you're doing that, when it's a creator-owned project, you have an idea. Like I could go further. We, we heard it with Declan Shelby, right? Like he has like, oh, if it's only going to go two arcs, I can go this far. Or if it's three or if it's more, I can do this, that, and whatever. But for DC and Marvel, like 
you got to be like impressing a lot of different people and, and bringing in quite a bit of dough for that to happen. So says a lot about, about this one. Um, I would love to see more, more of poison Ivy with this creative team beyond the macro series. But um, right now I'm, I'm content with what we're getting, but if this, if this, if they knock it out of the park in that second arc too, then give me more from G Willow Wilson and, and, uh, and this team for sure. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. What that dri- drives me fucking bonkers. Fucking macro series, maxi series, <laughs> mini series. Here's an yeah. idea, dipshits. Limited series. It's a 12 issue limited series. Boom. Yeah. Oh, the the, the, the the term. You don't, I don't play. Yeah. Uh, maxi series. Cause DC calls it a maxi series, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. You're right. It's yeah. a macro series. Oh, well, I just picture a bunch of fucking dumb suits. Mm. Oh, well, you know, macro series. No, that's chicken. We'll call it a, a maxi series. Yeah. That's it. I just, it's a fucking 12-issue limited series. It's not fucking difficult. Nope. Shorten up your titles. Come up with better names. <laughs> right? And just, oh, you know, just call it a fucking limited 12-issue limited series. I agree. Right? And I think I actually Ongoing made or limited. Yeah. Right? It's simple. Ongoing, <laughs> limited. Boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Done. Simple. Yep. I'm pretty sure I made up macro series now that you're reminding me maxi series. So <laughs> there's that. So I'm, part of, maxi I'm part of the problem. Dumb. It's yes. dumb. Makes yes. you think of, you know, maxi pads. No, no. Terrible word. Get it out of there. Doesn't need it. It's a fucking limited series. Let the creatives create and do their thing and let them make up these terms because Lord <laughs> knows the people who are in charge of this are not the creatives. But Hire me. Let me do it. I'll fucking yeah. tell you how it is. Exactly. What are you going to do then? If you're gonna, you don't want to call it a maxi series, just oh, you're going to say a it. limited Sorry. series. Yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Simple. Boom. See, this is why I can't do this stuff. That's why you have to do it. But uh, as much as this is a mainline episode, we are not doing a failed superheroes club because we are going a little bit long for one of our mainline episodes. But at some point, we'll mix one in. I think uh, with one of those uh, special episodes that we got planned for the month of December, we'll have to mix one in because uh, it may or may not involve a friend of the show see what they say when we go dig into uh, the failed superheroes club. But that is a conversation for another day, Joseph. Um, again, make sure you keep your peepers popped subscribe to the audio channels because there's certain content that you can only get on the audio channels. Leave a five-star review. If you like us, if you don't kick rocks, please uh, subscribe to the show. And uh, Joe, I think that's everything. So until next week, stay sexy. You know it. I <laughs> like Nick's just like, I'm out. All right, we're yeah. done.